Hey, welcome to Knowles 24-7's On the Bench Podcast. This is Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Josh Newberg today. An impromptu podcast. Uh, we weren't planning to record one until early next week, but a here lot we of... Are. Here, here, here we are, are. Brendan. On, 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 Brandon, Brendan, Brenda. Look at us. Who thought we'd be here? Not me. All right. It's me. <laughs> Christy is not here, but it was more scheduling conflict because uh, because we decided to do this randomly on a Friday morning. I am teasing Christy with a uh, with a basketball specific podcast for next week. Josh, are you? I'll uh, post it if you want. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I still have to be. If I could not be involved with it, that would be great. But I'd have to be here to record it, probably right, and edit it and post it. So yeah, but I'll post it. Whatever, I don't care about that. What I do care about is what we have today, uh, which is a lot of nuggets. No, like huge giant news, but a lot of uh, a lot of minor pieces, uh, some more significant than others, to go over, and a lot of roster moves that we want to talk about. In addition to some recruiting tidbits for you guys, uh, so we're going to make this about a 20, 30 minute podcast. So we say we'll see. All right, Josh. I want to start off with who's staying. Uh, FSU recently released its uh, its roster, updated for the 2020 uh, 21 uh, calendar years. And there's some pretty big news with these guys here who are staying. I'm going to yeah. go down the list: Hampson Nazarudin, safety, That's defensive tackle. Yep, defensive tackle Corey Durden. I like that. Defensive end Joshua Kando's on the roster for now. He is. <laughs> You're not lying. Cornerback Travis J on the roster. That's good to see. And one surprise, uh, not going to really move the needle, but Kyle Myers uh, still on the roster as a redshirt senior. Seventh year senior. He's, I mean, he's been here since like Mickey Andrews was the DC. <laughs> <laughs> so the significance, uh, yeah. the top, the top two are the big ones, right? Josh, you want to get into those guys, Nazaldine and Durden. Uh, we thought they were both coming back, uh, had the inclination, especially with Durden. He kind of hinted at it on social media, but they're both here through the spring and, uh, going to be here for one more season. It Man, looks like that's going to be awesome. I mean, Nazardine and Marvin Wilson brought so much productivity to that defense. When you talked about splash plays or impact plays, who, who else was providing for the defense outside of those two on a consistent basis, you know? So to get uh Nazardine back, I think he's only going to grow not only as a player and a tackler, but also as a leader. Cause you could see him as a leader on the field last year. And with him coming back, with Marvin coming back, I mean, uh, that it's such a great boost for the defense. You know, I love my nerdy PFF stats, right? Yep, give it to uh, us. All right, all right. Well, I did this morning uh, before recording the podcast. FSU's top ten defensive players per the PFF grades, which mm-hmm. you take with a grain of salt from last year. Uh, Marvin Wilson was number one with like in the nineties or low nineties, which is elite. Uh, Hampson Nazardine was number two in the eighties. Uh, Corey Durden was in the top five somewhere, but long story short, Josh, uh, of the top 10 guys on that list, nine of them are slated to come back next season. So the, the defense has the makings If they can find a pass rusher or find product productivity from, from one of the defensive end spots, uh, to be a really complete, nice defense, but, but getting Hamza backs big, I think getting Durden back, man, is, is really going to help, uh, with the defensive line depth too, as we've talked about on the pod before that defensive tackle is still trying to, uh, still trying to just like determine who the heir apparent to Marvin Wilson is. Obviously you get Marv back for one more year is huge. Uh, Durden kind of helps with the depth there a lot and, and will probably be a, like a, a sub starter with him and, and Robert Cooper and, and Marvin Wilson. I mean, that's a really great trio. So I'm excited about all those guys. You said Joshua Kando for now, uh, 
there's just always kind of rumors with him maybe like going into the portal, right? Like we had heard in the off season yeah. and that's the one reason why I think his name's noteworthy. Correct. The last two off seasons, really. Right. Right. And, and just the fact that he's been injured, he's been banged up. We, um, we know he's, he was on track and should have graduated by now or did graduate by now or will maybe at the end of the semester, something yeah. like there's, you can just never rule it out until, until really the summer, you know, if he's still on the roster and didn't grad transfer or enter the portal by the end, but it's a good sign that he's that he's on the roster for now, especially at that position. I, I know um, Kendo hasn't lived up to the hype and hasn't necessarily performed to expectations, but it, it only takes one year. And FSU can use all the help they they can get. And even um, if Joshua Kendo remains on the roster and tries to give it a go, we know he's a great kid, and it and at the least he'll, he'll help out in the locker room. So. Hopefully he sticks around. You'd rather have him than not, especially like you said, at that position. Defensive end doesn't have a whole lot of clear options right now. And he was starting to kind of come on uh, in that Virginia game. Actually, he was probably playing his best game of the season when he got hurt. What was that week three yeah. of this past year? Yeah, he, he, the light seems like it was starting to kind of turn on for him. And he goes ahead and has that the foot injury and misses the whole year. So, yeah, you'd rather have him back than not. Uh, Travis J, I think, is significant because he was not eligible this past year. You never know. He's you know committed to the last co- coaching staff. Doesn't play at all as a freshman. You never know like what's going to happen with that mix. So to, to see him around, I think is good. Kyle Myers, I mentioned only because I thought he was going to be gone. We weren't entirely sure what his deal was because uh, he played the first four games of last season. Uh, is back on the roster for now. I'm I'm curious to see. I guess does that play out with him waiting to maybe graduate uh, and transfer somewhere else, or does he stay with the team? Uh, I truthfully do not know, kind of speculating recklessly here, but uh, he is on the roster for now. Uh, guys, not on the roster, Josh. Let's start off with the well. He, yeah. Let's start off with the big news from yesterday. Trey McKitty, tight end, uh, someone we thought maybe was going to be pretty productive under Mike Norvell, given his tendency to really utilize tight ends. Uh, McKitty enters the transfer portal. Yeah, this was something that probably would have happened last year, and it was very close to happening last year, but didn't. Um, I got a good source close to Trey McKitty. Um, I speak to his father, and his dad's been telling me for a while, you know, that everything at FSU is going great. And this is kind of last year what the story was, you know. Everything at FSU was going so great for Trey. His friends, um, school was going well. He was loving the city. Um, he, I think he wants to be a pilot, and he's already yes. been interning and doing some flight stuff in Tallahassee, and everything's on track but the football. And, you know, it wasn't just Trey. It was the fact that there was always so much turmoil and so much change at Florida State, and it was almost like he just couldn't get it going. And I think – Football-wise, he would have transferred out last year, except for everything at FSU was going so well. Um, same kind of deal this offseason. Trey didn't really find a role at Florida State, wanted to be more productive, wanted just an opportunity to go elsewhere, but everything at FSU is going so well off the field. So he's going to graduate early. He's going to graduate in May, and I expected him to go through spring practice before making this decision because he graduates in May anyway. But um, – I don't know. I haven't talked to his father um, in the new year. Maybe he saw other people entering the portal and how it's going. And, you know, you might if you're going to do it in May anyway, you might as well do it now. I'm not quite sure. But this isn't all that big of a surprise just because it, it was he just never got positive traction within the program on the football field. Everything else went well, though, for Trey. 
Yeah, I think the timing of it is more the surprise here. Because I remember even when we talked to Trey, uh, well, I think it was in early December. Or it was after Mike Norvell was hired, and we talked to a few different players. And I asked Trey specifically, thinking, okay, you know, Norvell's had really productive tight ends. You know, asked Trey, like, have you looked at uh, what they do with their tight ends you know, schematically? What are your thoughts on that? And he's like, no, I haven't really looked yet. To me, that was like a red flag at that time. I thought that was a strange response, given that someone who's pretty thoughtful and and one of the more mature players on the roster to think he would go ahead and look at a few clips of of how you know his positions used by the new coach. At that moment, I I told you, Josh. I texted you to say, "Hey, you should check with you know Trey's." I guess at this point, we we can say it, Trey's dad just to see what's going on, and uh, and that's when you got the you know that he was graduating in May, and we kind of thought, okay, we evaluate this throughout the spring. So mm-hmm. that that's a little different. I think of all the guys we're going to mention here, Josh. Correct me if I'm wrong, or if you disagree. I I think he's the one who hurts the most losing him because of what he could have done uh, based on potential. I know he never really lived up to his potential. I, totally I disagree. I would go with okay. Treshawn Harrison on that one. I all think right. the upside on Treshawn, you know, if you're talking about living up to their potential, um, I think if Treshawn Harrison had one year where he lived up to his potential versus one year of Trey McKitty living up to his potential, um, I think that's the bigger loss. But, you know, there's reasons why these guys are leaving. So. Well, well, yeah, true, true. And there's going to be reasons why all the guys we're about to mention are leaving. I will say this with Trey McKitty. He leaves. Uh, so you have one scholarship tight end. No, two now. You have Cameron McDonald is one. And then uh, I'm. Oh, we need Zach here to tell us the name. I'm blanking on the kid from Colquitt County, the, the tight end, the freshman. Boatwright that's coming in. Car- Carter Boatwright, Chris Nee's favorite guy. Carter Boatwright, who, uh, who I think is going to be. Yeah, Chris mentioned him as like the next Gabe Neighbors, but you lose Gabe Neighbors, obviously, as a senior, and you lose Trey McKitty. So the depth at tight yeah. end is fairly low right now. That's why they're looking at Juco or uh, you know grad transfer guys right now. I think that's why that hurts. Wide receiver depth, not where it needs to be, but you have Kamari and Terry coming back. You have Keyshawn Helton, uh, DJ Matthews, presumably. It looks like that's- Warren Thompson's coming back. It looks like Warren Thompson is coming back. So, yeah, that's why I don't think the Trayshawn Harrison one is quite as significant. Uh, but, yeah, based on what he could be, Harrison, obviously, the flashes of athleticism he shows. Let's talk about Trayshawn. He, uh, he's not on the roster. He entered the transfer portal back in December. So this isn't a surprise at all. But, yeah, he, he's apparently looked around. I think he's uh, gone to Oregon State. I think he's kicked the tires some on FAU. Uh, just one that never worked out, right, Josh? Yeah, sorry, I had my mic muted. Yeah, that one just never worked out, and that's how it is. Some kids come to campus. Um, I'm not going to blame it on the transition from moving from coast to coast. I just think it's the simple transition of moving into the next phase of your life. I mean, there's college kids that don't play sports that move away to college, and it doesn't work out for them. So, of course, the same thing is going to happen uh, you know, with the football team. And, and these are just kids, and it doesn't always happen. Again, it seemed like Trayshawn just never really got going at Florida State. You know, he the times that he did get on the field, his opportunities were hit or miss. Uh, he dropped some balls. But then again, he, he did make some plays at times under the Taggart era, and we didn't see him get back on the field. Um, mm-hmm. It was a little weird. What did you think of his time at Florida State? Yeah, How would I, you recap that- it? Up and down, man. Like you said, the, the high, there were highs and there were lows. There wasn't a whole lot of in between with him. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's a reminder of what could have been with the Willie Taggart era, kind of right. Like he he mm-hmm. was one of the first guys. Wasn't he the first guy Willie offered? 
uh, as a Florida State coach, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe so, because Treshawn was committed to him at Oregon or had just committed to him, something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah he was, he was I believe, the first target he offered he when follows, he accepted the job. And he, and he follows Willie from the West Coast. You know, Treshawn's in Seattle. Willie was at Oregon to Tallahassee. Uh, yeah, kind of a a reminder of what could have what could have been uh, for FSU under Willie Taggart. If things got going quickly and the recruiting chops would have uh, paid off on you know would have paid off on the recruiting trail. It just didn't happen with the on field results and and those. I don't think it's a lack of talent. You can still see it in him when he there's flashes when he touches the football that he could be electric. I I just think it was you know all the inconsistencies going on. Um, he was a young man. So and, and there are rumors of him, of him kind of having an up and down work ethic too. Yeah, I was never able to say confirm not buying it. in completely. Right. So then it's weird though that you know he's possibly being tied into FAU, uh, which we'll get into some of the you know, the FAU. Uh, well, well, we'll get into that later. But a uh, few other names here: Malcolm Lamar, not on the roster. He entered the transfer portal. I know he's checked out FAU. Apparently, uh, not a surprise there that he's not back. Just another disappointing guy that Josh and I both liked coming out of Armwood. A lot of people thought maybe offensive tackle moves there. Never does. Uh, he stays at defensive line. Uh, just, just again, seems like squandered potential in the FSU uh, tenure under Willie Taggart. Christian Armstrong's another guy, offensive lineman, not on the roster. Now, him I'm not as sure about. Like Maybe he still comes back. I don't entirely know what the future is for him. But, Josh, I know you had uh, – you had heard that he wasn't on the team well, last was, season, right? Yeah, it was kind of weird. It was about a month ago, and I dropped the info on the podcast. I kind of just said it in a conversation about um, the transfer portal, and nobody really picked up on it. I said that Christian Armstrong hadn't been around the team in a couple weeks is what I was told, and that I thought that he was leaving. And um, I had re- So I had been told that sometime in December. I don't think he was around the program – uh, during the bye week before the UF game. I think that's when he left. So he had been gone for, for several weeks. So it wasn't a surprise to see him hit the portal either, but, um, well, well to correct, I don't think he's in the portal, Josh, and it, he hasn't been with the team, but he's been around the university some. So it's a, it's a deal. That's a little murky. Right. I think. So um, he's been, so based on what we've he- heard and now it seems like it, it's all, you know, tying together, but basically he hasn't been around the team for eight or nine weeks. That's what it Something sounds like. Page. Yeah. And he's not considered part of the team at this moment. So again, right. I don't know what the future is for him. Like I'm not as definitive with saying he won't be back as like, we know we're assuming, you know, Malcolm Lamar, Trayshawn Harrison, Trey McKitty, like those yeah. guys are, are gone. But right now, he's I guess not I was trying to explain that it, this isn't something where like he informed the team the other day that he's, he's taken a leap of absence. This is a little bit deeper than that. He's been gone for about two months. It just Correct. officially, we got, official word from the top that yes he is not with the, with the program right now all right and then correct so one other name Jawan mm-hmm. williams uh, another man like a former four-star recruit mm-hmm. just squandered not squandered even potential here because it's just it didn't work out for him he's a he's currently going to be well, he's going to be a redshirt senior so he was at florida state for a while but multiple shoulder injuries or reoccurring ones kind of stunts the development uh, and then just an abysmal uh, season in 2018 got a little bit better this past year, but still not great. Uh, he was eventually, he was just benched both in, in 2018 and 2019 kind of epitomizes what the offensive line play has been for a while now. Right. A huge letdown. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 
just guys not working out for whatever reason. Uh, he's kind of the poster child for it, unfortunately for him. But uh, we were informed by FSU that one, not on the roster. Um, we didn't need FSU to, to inform us there. That was just, he was not on the roster, but, but mm-hmm. we were told that he's going to enter the transfer portal. So it doesn't sound like he'll be back. I, he may be around campus this semester, but it uh, doesn't sound like he'll be around the football team. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's what we have for the transaction part of the podcast. Uh, a couple of other, uh, additions, uh, not currently on the roster just yet, Josh, but let's go into, uh, to some news that happened this week, starting off with Cornell Jones, the, uh, the linebacker from Purdue I actually have seen him on campus. I don't mm-hmm. think he's actually on the roster yet. I know, uh, Zach had the scoop for this, for us with this, uh, seems like a big move to get a two-year starter from a power five school on campus currently as a walk-on what are your thoughts on on the addition of cornell jones and have we gotten clarity on like is he on scholarship or when will he be on scholarship will he be eligible this season it seems like there's some unknowns josh right now with that yeah and the unknowns are on his end he's basically telling zach that he's got he was calling them appeals i don't know if that if he if appeals is just a different name for for him applying for the waiver um, but he said he's got some appeals that he's got to go through to see if he's eligible and that um, he is indeed coming to campus as a walk-on. Um, we'll see what happens from there. You know, you can't really uh, – we've seen this happen a lot. And generally speaking, if a kid comes in as a walk-on, um, I don't know if the chances are too great that we see him on scholarship. But either way, whether he's a scholarship or he's a walk-on, um, he brings some talent to the roster at a position where – FSU, I wouldn't say is in is in need, but they do need playmakers wherever they can find them. And even though we feel good about the young guys at the linebacker position, uh, we still haven't seen anybody really break out and be that guy. So I think any talent that's that wants to join the roster, whether it be walk on or scholarship, is welcomed. Yeah, at linebacker, I liked what Emmett Rice did towards the end of the the regular season and then in the bowl game. Uh, other than that, man, uh, yeah, I'm not sure you're relying on Jalil, Jalil McCray or Kalen Deloach or one of the younger guys to step up or, or for the, you know, the lights to really turn on for Leonard Warner. Uh, and they just haven't to date. So Cornell Jones kind of gives you, I think a safety, a safety net of sorts at the position at right. one that just hasn't been really a strong suit. So it'll be interesting to see, I guess, how that develops in the next couple of weeks or, or months. Like, is he placed on scholarship? Is he eligible to play? This season, I think he has two years to play one season, if I'm not mistaken. He hasn't redshirted before, uh, but he's played in three seasons of football. So he has two years to play one. Uh, We'll see. Does that make sense? Am I saying that right? It hurts my brain thinking of it that way. Two years to play one. That means he has a red shirt year available. Right. Okay. All right. It just, it hurt. that's a weird way to say it. All right. And then uh, another addition, uh, not to the recruiting class, but as an early enrollee, uh, we were uh, we were told that Lloyd Willis is supposed to be an early enrollee. Uh, to my knowledge, he hasn't been announced as such Bless yet. Bless up to he, the committee for, for <laughs> allowing that to happen. Thank Bless you, Uncle up. Luke. <laughs> um, uh, Uncle but, Luke opened the, opened the gate and allows Lloyd Willis, who um, was supposed to enroll in the summer, the committee blesses us and allows Lloyd Willis to enroll early at Florida State. So that's, a, that's big news. He gets an extra spring. Um, we don't... Even still, we don't expect Lloyd Willis to contribute in year one, but this is still going to be great for his development as a player uh, to get in early and get these reps in. Yeah, he's a developmental prospect, right? Like this is he's someone who's based on upside and and probably isn't expected to play right away. So 
get them into a strength and conditioning program that we're expecting to be better than the last two. Uh, it's all good news there. Someone has a lot of upside. Yeah, man, the committee, the committee, I don't even know what to say about that. It was funny. Uh, the Cornell Jones, you know, from Miami. And I kind of threw a little indirect shade on the Twitter sphere there to say, Oh, you know, he's from Miami and FSU just got him as a walk on. Uh, and then, Uncle Luke Luther Campbell, who's a fixture down in, in South Florida and, and a part of this committee, uh, jumped on the timeline and and educated me on on the committee, sort of. Uh, and then, like, 10 minutes later, we broke that Lloyd Willis was supposed to, from, from Miami, from one of the schools that that uh, is supposedly part of the committee, uh, Lloyd Willis is supposed to join Florida State early. You so. don't know what happened behind the scenes to get I, that done. I, I don't. I don't. You're right. We we invited Uncle Luke on the podcast. Uh, standing offer if he does want to kind of explain what the committee is and and what the issue with Florida State is right now. Uh, but I don't expect that to come to fruition. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know even know if our listeners would enjoy it. Do you think they'd even enjoy it? Like, would that be the something com- that people would want to hear? The committee doesn't use just every, any platform to speak. Okay, Brendan, you got to be patient. We'll just we'll see what happens with Luke. I think we get him on. I got a letter out to the the committee as we speak to get this thing done. All right. Other guys uh, with the roster, not additions, but just more different changes on the roster as FSU is changing to a four, three kind of a hybrid four, three defense. Noteworthy that Jaden Lars would be is listed at defensive back. Brendan Gant listed at defensive back at defensive end, Dennis Briggs, Quayshon Fuller, Jarrett Jackson, the Louisville transfer, uh, Jamarcus Chapman and Curtis fan was kind of wondering what some of these guys that were recruited in for more Willie, Willie Taggart wanted to run a three, four scheme. And it was kind of a weird transition to it. That didn't make a lot of sense. And we'll talk about that in depth one day, but, uh, but anyways, I was interested to see where some of those like kind of tweener type of bodies were going to were going to go and be developed on this defensive line. So there you have it. There, interested to see if Jaden Lars would be's defensive back uh, listing is him playing like what he was as a freshman, as like kind of a hybrid safety linebacker, or as a true more up top safety. So that's what we have for roster transactions and, and news. There, I'm uh, going to take a quick break. Then we're going to have a few recruiting tidbits when we come back, and uh, and then wrap up the podcast. Introducing the Two Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back uh, to On the Bench. Josh, we got some recruiting scoop. Do you want to uh, do you want to get this segment going with a little Malachi Weidman juice for us? Yeah, if we could break some news on the pod, Brendan. Let's um, do it. I've been working this Malachi Weidman stuff for a little while now, and 
I can confirm that coming out of the dead period in January, Malachi Weidman will visit the University of Tennessee on the 17th. He'll visit Oregon on the 24th. And then the final weekend before signing day, he'll visit FAU. Um, as of now, there's no plans for him to return to Tallahassee. He does not have an official visit available. He took that in December. So um, is FSU in it? I am told, yes, they are. Um, they'll have a chance to do some in-home visits once the dead period lifts. I'm not sure if Mike Norvell visited an in, in-home or not and used his visit um, when he arrived. So I'll, I'll clarify that in the coming week. But um, they'll definitely get down there. They'll, they'll be able to do some face-to-face stuff with him and his family. Um, but they will not have an opportunity to pay for him to get to Tallahassee. And as of now, it looks like every available weekend is going to be taken. Of course, he can come up at any time. But the available weekends, there's only three between the end of the dead period and signing day. And as of now, Malachi Weinman has those booked for official visits. Did you say he's visiting FAU? He's visiting FAU the final weekend before signing day. The Owls are looking to make one one uh, huge recruiting coup. All right, re- real quick, let's deviate off to a quick FAU rant and then get back on to recruiting, if you will. Uh, some good news, or at least news that made me happy, was to see Stanford Samuels Jr. Uh, was announced as the defensive backs coach at FAU. Yeah, well and, deserved. Well, well, well-deserved. Uh, it was uh, he was promised some things at Florida State, and then Jimbo Fisher left and uh, a guy who deserved to be on the field and at least have a shot to do that. A former FSU player, I think that's a really great fit for him, given his ties to South Florida. You know, he coached and, high and school it wasn't football only down there. Jimbo that screwed him over. It was also the whole issue with the with the waiver. Um, right. I, I should have clarified it. It was I was the told timing on, with Jimbo. I was told on very good authority that. Um, Stanford Samuels was very likely going to be promoted on the field if they got the waiver for David Kelly to 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 move off the field. That didn't happen. FSU went with two wide receiver coaches. <laughs> no, just Stanford one. Still off the field. Just one. Um, yeah, just one wide receiver coach and a recruiting coordinator. Uh, who, anyways, uh, but I guess the sec- this like little like one minute rant is going to be for throwing a little shade. Uh, Raymond Woody, Willie's getting the gang back together at Florida Atlantic is is the purpose of this little diatribe here. Raymond right, Woody, serious. I think Woody's a great hire for 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 FAU. He'll be able to recruit his butt off, and he's close to Palmetto and where his roots are. And uh, and, and, and Jim more the, um, is calling the defense. Florida. Yep. He specializes in linebacker. I mean, he he's done a lot of, you know, he coached linebackers for the 49ers in the NFL. So Jim Levitt will essentially be able to take all coaching duties on. And Raymond Woody's one hell of a recruiter. You can knock uh, FSU and the staff for a lot of things. But one thing that was consistent for the two years that was here was Woody was a great recruiter. So mm-hmm. I think it is a good move, all jokes aside. I, I think it makes sense. Uh, it was just, you know, some people in the fan base, I guess this happened, yeah. were blowing up. Well, like you couldn't lose Raymond Woody and, you know, Woody, as good of a recruiter as he was, had his deficiencies as an on-field coach. That position did not progress the way you would like it to, given to what, you know, where it started. I, I thought he would be an upgrade over Bill Miller initially because Bill Miller wasn't getting anything done with the linebackers and they just truthfully didn't improve enough. Uh, over a two-year period but but yeah i think on paper there that makes some sense demarcus adams is going to florida atlantic uh was a take for for willie taggart's staff he was actually a take for the previous staff too but they kept him on and he's going to fau Mm -hmm. uh so so that's interesting you know one thing that i thought i think we're going to start seeing coming out here a little bit though josh is uh is with 
with Willie Taggart at FAU, the recruiting pitch he's going to use. And, and we've seen him, you know, he was on open mic talking about the facilities at FAU and how they're investing uh, into the facilities and the program at FAU. Everything there is needed. Uh, I think on the recruiting trail, we're going to start seeing Willie kind of, you know, say that he wasn't getting that from Florida State and that FAU has some better infrastructure than FSU from, from what I've been told. A little birdie told me that. So, uh, so I think that's something that may be coming out more publicly is uh, either indirect shade towards FSU or maybe even directly. I, I don't know, but uh, he, he's certainly going to try to make the comparison saying that FAU in some ways is better than FSU, which uh, I don't know if I would, I don't think I would agree with. That's all I, I have. I agree with it, but also the recruiting is just selling. You know, these guys are all used car salesmen. They'll say anything to, to sell their program. So it doesn't really surprise me, but yeah. 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 All right. Anyway, no, it's not. <laughs> it's okay. It's We're not. not do we need to no, that's debate it. that here? No, we don't need to debate it. Okay. I just wanted you to agree with me and, and give me confirmation that, that I, I heard that I heard that and I thought it was weird. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very important. All right. Back to recruiting. So that's Malachi Weidman uh, scoop and, and you'll probably flesh that out and write a little bit more on it that we'll put on the website later today at Knowles 24 seven. Josh, you also had a little bit of information on a, uh, an Indiana offensive tackle transfer, Coy Cronk, which mm-hmm. is a great name for a, for an offensive lineman. What's the deal with, with him? He entered the he portal. just entered the portal this week and wants to enroll at a program for the fall semester or for the spring semester. Obviously that's tough for FSU because today was it today or yesterday? The last day drop ad. I think it was yesterday or Wednesday, but we're ending, we're ending the first week of, of classes. So yeah. So it, doesn't mean it's impossible to get him in, but it doesn't mean it's all that easy either. Um, I know FSU has been in contact, but I also know Iowa state has as well. Uh, early Intel that I received was that this was likely going to be, he was going to head to Iowa state, but of course it's not done yet. And that news was probably about 24 hours ago. So the way this stuff goes, I need to find out what's going on again because <laughs> re- recruiting and transfers, it's all the same. It, it changes at a rapid pace, but that was what I had yesterday. I made a boat, a board post on Knowles 24 seven and um, put some Intel on that. But yes, FSU has been in touch with him and he's been in the portal for what? 48 hours now. The, the speed in which this coaching staff is getting in touch with the transfer portal kids is pretty impressive. Uh, you see someone enters of significance and like five guys are following. But you can tell they got a system for this. I mean, this isn't just like a random, it seemed the transfer portal has been figured out by some. Yeah. And I think this staff has it figured out on how to handle it, how to engage, how to initiate contract contact. Uh, we talked about it on the last podcast a little bit, but yeah, I think that this staff has it figured out. They're doing a great job. Uh, they are. They look very organized in that regard. Uh, with the offensive line and some of the the grad transfer, I, I, I'll put it this way. I've noticed some of the fan base getting frustrated that they're not just grabbing every single graduate transfer offensive lineman. Have you kind of sensed that so far, too? Like they, they wanted the Stormont kid, and he's going to Purdue, and this staff kind of stopped recruiting Stormont. Uh, the guy from Georgia was in there for like 10 oh, minutes. That, they're trip. rabid. Yeah. <laughs> anybody that hits the portal, like anybody it's, you know, they're eating it up. So yeah, it, it's crazy right now, but I think it's because the transfer portal to some means hope. It means excitement. It means possibly a quick fix. And um, there's a lot of fixes that are needed and a lot of people don't want, you know, want to wait. There's an option now outside of recruiting called the transfer portal. And it's exciting. So I understand why people kind of get pumped up about it, especially on the offensive line and 
the fact that the staff has been aggressively pursuing guys. I was going to say that the staff is aggressively pursuing them, Josh, and they're aggressively pursuing offensive line, even after adding Devontae Taylor. Tackles is what they're pursuing, it seems like. So so this, this group still clearly believes that they need another offensive tackle. I think it's a, a safe assumption based on how they're recruiting that position. They just haven't necessarily landed that guy yet. But as we've seen, the portal keeps the portal taketh and the portal addeth. So uh, not done yet. But uh, but yeah, some people are getting antsy because they want that that left tackle in place. Mm-hmm. Clearly, uh, let's see. Also on the recruiting trail, uh, Dejon Edwards sets in a official visit on January 31st with FSU. He was someone who it seemed like communication had really cooled off when the new staff came in between him and and, and FSU. Uh, clearly, that's back up to some extent. I'm interested, Josh, to see FSU clearly has a need at running back. Uh, they you know, obviously have added Lawrence Toa Philly and Jay Sean Corbin. I believe Anthony Grant is back. He's on the roster, but I believe he's he's back with the team right now as well. So they probably need one more guy, maybe two, uh, because they like to use a lot of two-back sets. I'm not sure where Edwards is on the recruiting board for FSU, but uh, it does seem like he's in the mix now, right? Oh yeah. If he's coming in for an official visit and he makes it on campus, you know, all questions about whether or not they're pursuing him have kind of gone to the wayside for me. As long as he makes it on campus and this thing follows through, then I think, you know, he's a, he's, he's certainly a take for Florida state and everything you said about the running back position is true. Uh, they need qual they need not only bodies, but they also need quality, uh, getting, uh, Juco guy is great, but getting a, guy that you can get in your program and mold, especially at the running back position, right? Because freshman running back can see the field. Uh, you don't need yeah. to wait two, three years to see the field as a running back. You can come in and help right away. And then on top of it, you're going to be here for another two, three, four years, you know, after that. So Juco guys are exciting to talk about and to think about, but Florida state has to get back to recruiting quality high school players, especially from the Georgia and Florida area. And he fits the bill. I like it. Let's see what happens. Uh, and I forgot to mention Caitlin LeBoer when I was talking about the running backs as well, uh, as long as he's back healthy and, and the good graces with everyone, uh, because he didn't, was not available for one of the mm-hmm. games and then had an injury. Uh, so I missed the last couple games of the year, but as long as he's back and, and good to go and he's on the roster right now, that's another guy who obviously a ton of upside and potential as well, uh, within this offense and the way coach Norvell likes to use running backs. I am interested to see though, with, with Edwards though, Josh, cause it is the last weekend, uh, Corey Wren, uh, as kind of that slot receiver running back type of hybrid guy, he's coming in earlier. We'll talk about, uh, the upcoming weekend in, uh, in recruiting next week. So, uh, but he's a guy and they're going after Webb and, and a few other running backs as well. They're bringing yeah. in beforehand with Edwards. I don't know if Edwards is like the fallback or not. That's what I'm interested to see kind of where he is on the recruiting board. We admittedly do not know, uh, one other name, that was being mentioned on the message board. Uh, some fans were freaking out a little bit because he's visiting Miami apparently this weekend. That's Quincy Roche, the the Temple uh, defensive end grad transfer, obviously a stud pass rusher. I have a little intel on that this morning, Josh. FSU thinks it still has a chance at him, so they haven't you know uh, they haven't conceded him to Miami or anyone just yet. But that has been a really weird recruitment. Like you were hearing what Ohio State one day. Yeah, but uh, I mean I'm not just here in Ohio State. I um, I reached out to a good source that deals with a lot of these transfer kids. He told me Ohio state was probably the team to watch for. 
And, you know, with Ohio State, they do pretty well. So I want to make sure he was even a take for Ohio State. And I reached out to a contact that I have within that program. And he confirmed with me that, you know, they, they do want Roche. So um, they're in it. Miami's in it. We hear FSU's pursuing, but they, I don't believe, are as in it as some of the other teams. Would you say uh, that's fair? Uh it doesn't seem that way. Well, well, since he's visiting Miami, I would say Miami's the most in it of anyone right now, because mm-hmm. that's what we know for sure. So yeah, right now, yeah, right now, I think that's fair to say. I think FSU would very much so like to be in it with him. They need another edge rusher uh, because they don't have a lot of proven ones. We've talked about that already uh, today. So, but but not waving the white flag on him just yet. Giving you guys a little bit of hope. How about that? So, last topic, Josh, before we wrap this up, uh, uh, there's another transfer that I. Did we ever talk about Vanderbilt offensive tackle oh, Devin Cochran? Cochran, no, we didn't. So much has happened this week, man. Yeah, you got in touch with him and did a exclusive. I know, that was only two days ago. It's it's been a very long week. All right, so here's the deal: Vanderbilt offensive tackle Devin Cochran. He went into the transfer portal. I think on Tuesday or Wednesday. Days kind of run together with me, but he's a graduate transfer. He'll be eligible immediately. He goes six foot seven, three hundred and five pounds. Um, I spoke to him over the phone. And he told me that FSU called him 30 minutes after he hit the portal. He talked with Chris Marv. He said, obviously, I know Chris Marv. He used to be here at Vandy. Um, he was the one that in, initiated contact. He said he's definitely interested in Florida State to this point or the point that I talked to him. Georgia Tech and FSU had been the only offers. I know since then Louisville has offered. I know uh, that Miami was trying to reach him and get in contact with him so that they could offer I think Cochran's going to have somewhere between 10, 12 offers by the end of the week, by the end of the weekend. And um, he he's not going to enroll until the summer because he graduates in May. He told me he's not in a rush to make a decision, but he also said, and this is a quote, I won't hold, hold out all the way till April or anything like that. So he intends to take these next couple days, see where his offers are at. I asked him if he would take in a, any visits and he was like, um, yeah, maybe like it, it was almost like this was all a new concept to him. Um, so I don't think he's very far along in the, in the decision process, but he does want to make some, make a decision sometime in February or March is what it sounded like to me. So I'll check in with him periodically and see what's going on. Let's talk about real quick with him, what FSU has to offer and what they're fighting against with Georgia tech seems like, location because he's from Norcross uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't he have a relative who's like, who, who teaches in the area or he has family, right? I mean, so his family is basically around. I found out he has a mom that works in academics in the Atlanta, in the Atlanta area. And that's maybe why we're hearing that Georgia tech is the team to beat. All right. So that's something that you're up against. If you're Florida state, obviously Georgia tech, Florida state, Louisville, any of these teams that are going to be coming after him are going to have a need offensive tackle. But right. Yes. I, I agree. Cause he's a quality offensive lineman and a smart guy, uh, and tested in the sec. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why FSU wants him. I think the advantages that Florida state has in addition to playing time, again, everyone can offer playing time. Uh, one, you have the connection with Chris Marv, right? So that's, that's a, a tie from his time at Vanderbilt. Those two at least know each other that should help you with communication throughout this. Yeah. And, and then if you're able to continue having that communication, uh, we'll get to see what Alex Atkins can do uh, as a recruiter. We've heard really good things about him, and uh, and he's a really sharp guy. 
uh, you got a chance to meet with him, and we're going to get into that in a minute or two as well. But uh, I'm curious. And to real see quick, you- there's a there's a new report from Rusty Manziel yesterday. He mentions Devin Cochran and now a possibility for UGA due to oh. their due oh. to their issues. So, like I said, this this uh, recruitment could change dramatically in the next couple days or weeks. So we'll we'll keep checking in on it. But Devin Cochran seems to be like seems to be a guy that's emerging as one of the top transfer candidates now that TJ Stormont is off the board. And there'll be more names that guys are going to start following too. I think another, I just got a text message from someone. Atkins just followed Chris Murray off the line transfer from UCLA uh, to your starter, but would have to sit, it sounds like. So there, there's going to be more names that keep popping up constantly. But uh, if FSU has a chance with Cochran, I think you have two of your, your young, energetic uh I think talented recruiters on him. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but yeah, many variables to weigh. All right, Josh, you were up here in Tallahassee on Wednesday, got to hang out for a little bit. Uh, it was a business trip though. Not pleasure, right? We, uh, we got a chance to meet some of FSU's assistant coaches. A lot of those interviews are already uh, up online or we published them. Uh, we got a chance to talk with coach Norvell as well. So, uh, I want to get your thoughts, Josh, on just that little scenario, the little, uh, what was it? A luncheon or luncheon or whatever it's called. Yeah. I, I thought it was cool. It was neat to have. It's something that was new. You know, we got to, why did you think it was neat? <laughs> neat. It's a very Brendan way to describe yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, that's also how I like my whiskey. Coincidentally. But why did you think it was neat? Well, I came from covering Jimbo Fisher was my mm-hmm. first full-time venture in college football, covering college football on a full-time basis. Uh, that never happened. We got a chance to meet some of Willie Taggart's new coaches uh, when he first arrived, but this was different and neat in the sense that we were able to sit down with them uh, and actually get a chance to meet you know, the the new assistant coaches, uh, have lunch with them, uh, and then got some you know, actual interviews with them, like right off the bat. Uh, Coach Norvell addressed everyone and said, "You know, this is something that we're going to try to do a couple times." annually uh now this is all like on paper it all sounds great but like he sounded like he was going to be very open and accommodating and working with the media there was a rhyme and reason for why he's doing things i thought it was special that he is going to make freshmen available that he's going to make all of his assistant coaches available pretty much at any time uh during the season that's really kind of unheard of uh, at the power five level in college football uh, it, it just doesn't happen a whole lot, man. And and the reasoning for it, and I'll stop rambling after this. The reason for it is because he wants to prepare guys for the next level. It's just like a constant job interview, right? Whether you're an assistant coach uh, who wants to be a head coach, which is what coach Norvell is like really selling. And, and what he probably told guys to get this quality staff assembled is, Hey, I'm going to help you get to where you want to go professionally. He's shown that he can do that so far. Uh, this is something that he said was important to him when he was an assistant coach was getting in front of the microphone and, and getting in front of TV cameras and learning how to present yourself and get your messages across. Same thing with, with freshmen and, and transfers guys who haven't had this kind of exposure before. Why wait a year, get your messages out now, learn along the way. Uh, I was just excited about all of that all on paper. Josh seemed really, really nice and encouraging and neat. Yeah. The reason I thought it was neat is because my biggest takeaway, you took a lot of things away. My biggest takeaway was Mike Norvell brought us in there, set this standard, set the expectation and set the boundaries. Therefore there's no gray area. We know what we know the process to get things done. We know how we can get things done. We know where to go. We know, we know a lot right now. And we don't, I don't think there's a fear of 
rules getting made up on the fly. That's something I think the media, you know, this is just not just us, but every media outlet I've ever worked with or covered from any sport. You don't like rules getting made up on the fly. You like to know what your expectations are and work within those guidelines. And I feel like this was a very good introduction into what our expectations are and what, you know, he, he's going to do for us and what we can do for them. I thought it was very good. And and with that in mind too, you mentioned like the guidelines. I, I did like that a, basically there was an outline of what we're allowed to do, uh, what the expectation is. And it's pretty liberal, man. Like it, it's pretty like wide encompassing of what we can do. Uh, but coach Norvell again, like was direct and saying, you know, if, if that line gets blurred and, we may make adjustments, which you know, it could happen because it's a bigger beat than what he's been on before. Right. There's going to mm-hmm. be uh, more exposure and more eyes on it and more people to kind of keep in check, uh, which is totally fair though. So, so that's what I like. It's like the, the standard of, of what he wants is being set. The outlines being set with what the rules oh, are. My other takeaway. Okay. Let's go to, let's get into it. It's, he's it's, a this lot is all skinnier. Neat. He's a lot skinnier than I thought he was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I might be really frail and skinny too. If, for the last, what, he's been on the run for six weeks between leaving Memphis, recruiting, uh, meeting everybody. Like, I could, I would probably skip a few meals too, but he's really, he's a skinny dude. And I'm a skinny dude, but he's skinnier than me. Well, better than going in the other direction where you get a, you get bloated when you're busy, which is what but I do. I really didn't think he looked all that, like, I didn't think he looked skinny when I saw any of the videos of him walking on campus or at the press conferences or anything like that. I was just saying in person. He came off a little skinnier than I had expected. You guys should have a bench press showdown between the two of you. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. All right. <laughs> What's in it for me? I don't um, know. I was, no, I was but, doing bench press. I was throwing weight around yesterday, man. I was up to 45 pounds on both sides like a boss. I'm emulating the... You're wearing movie. a tank top, Brendan. This is my podcast tank top, the Jaws tank top. I don't think yeah. I own a tank top. I own like twenty of them. That's what I like to. It's like what I like to wear, uh, especially while podcasting. When I'm around the home, I like to be. Com- I like to be comfortable. Basketball shorts or or sweatpants in a in a tank top. All right. So be- besides Coach Norvell, that we also had an opportunity to meet with the coordinators, to meet with all the assistant coaches. We talked really about anything we wanted to talk about. Was there anything that you took away? Uh, I met with Alex Atkins, so I could talk about that. But w- yeah, let's talk you? about. Well, I was pretty much with Coach Norvell for most uh, of it, talking right. over a media policy, and that was again, that was uh, cool to see his his concepts there. Um, it was neat. So uh, yeah, you talked to Coach Atkins. I think Chris Knee was over it with Chris Thompson. I told Chris beforehand that I thought they were going to get along really, well, oh, really yeah, well. Right. And, and, and he left that saying that he was basically like his, his soulmate. They so. have the same resting face. They have the same <laughs> mannerisms. I think they cared to be there about as much as each other cared to be there. <laughs> we should have, we get a podcast with two Chris's together. <gasps> we should just do on the bench with Chris and Chris. Mm, that would either be our best, whatever or worst be, one. It would just be 30 minutes of grunting noises. <laughs> 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 but anyway, let me talk about Alex Atkins real quick. He came off first time I ever met him, um, came off as, I don't mean this in a bad way, but you know, he's youthful. Um, he came off as kind of younger. He came off as very energetic. We, he, when he spoke, he talked about building the trust with the players first and that he was able to meet with everybody on Sunday and they did the meet and greet with the entire staff. But he said he pulled his guys over and started listening to their stories. 
And that was kind of what he said. He said, the gist of what he's trying to do is just sit and listen. And he said, it's fascinating to hear each kid's story of where they come from and how they got to FSU and everything in between. And he said, you know, eventually I'll also tell them my story. We're going to build, we're going to build trust and everything kicks off from there. <laughs> Somebody asked him if he watched film from last year and he said, yeah, I watched film from what he goes, I've watched it all. Um, and he said that he definitely watched it all. And he said, you know, it wasn't perfect, but he said there was a lot of good things and he was w- looking to find the good things that the players were doing and then build off of that. And he said, even though he did watch the film, he said, I'm starting everybody with a clean slate. He just wanted a little bit of background on all of that. Um, he's primarily going to recruit Georgia. He has ties to the Carolinas, uh, but his primary recruiting area is going to be Georgia. They haven't defined everything uh, with with the staff and recruiting and all that, but he does know that that'll be his primary area. Uh, one thing with the staff and recruiting, and I do want to go back to Coach Atkins, but as well, I'm thinking about it. Zach interviewed David Johnson, uh, the running backs coach who came from Tennessee and is kind of uh, believed to be like the lead recruiter for Florida State. Uh, he will, he's going to be the recruiting coordinator, so so that's a good indication. But but considered an ace recruiter, they're putting him in South Florida, primarily Miami Dade County, which is a big deal. Uh, we'll see if he gets in in touch with the committee or not right away. But I, I think that makes a lot of sense. You put your best recruiter in there, kind of like what FSU did with Tim Brewster, right? That's kind of reminds me of you. You put your guy who you think is going to be the most aggressive efficient recruiter and you put him in the toughest area and you let him go to work. Uh, so I think that's a really good move. Would you agree with that? You're the recruiting guy here, not me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's, <clears throat> I've heard so much great stuff about David Johnson. I, I, I don't want to be the one to, to blow that up. So I'm, I'm glad you are. Like I said, I know Jeremy Pruitt pretty well. He doesn't say a whole lot of great things about people. And he had great things to say about David Johnson before he left. And even after he left, uh, I spoke to Pruitt briefly since the hiring of David Johnson. And he really, he still had great things to say. He said he reached out to David, wished him luck, understands the move completely and said that FSU is getting a great coach and a great person. Um, I think all that stuff will reflect on the recruiting trail. He's also spent time, like I said, at Tennessee under a program that demands a lot of you. Uh, Pruitt recruits just like Jimbo, just like Nick Saban. And those, the things that you can learn from people like that and take on with you to uh, advance your career is priceless. So I think um, he'll, he'll do a great job at Florida State, and he is the man to run recruiting. All right. So going back to Coach Atkins, you know, he, he did come off with a lot of energy. Uh, when you spoke to him and going back and looking at some of the video too, uh, Coach Thompson we spoke with or Chris like we say spoke with and and I know we joked a little bit about mm-hmm. that but he he did seem like he had a really great understanding of what his role is going to be as a deputy head coach and and someone who's going to help out in a lot of different areas. I, I think that was such a huge hire to go ahead and get him away from his alma mater. Uh, anyone else that we spoke with on record? I can't remember off the top of my head, Josh. I, I did think. not speak with anybody else on record. Chris may have, so I, I don't really know. Zach may have, I don't know, okay. but I, I spent my time over there. Uh, we also s- spoke a lot with Kenny Dillingham off the record. Yeah. Yeah. There's different coaches were able to come and, and sit down and you know, talk. I mean, we didn't talk about, we only talked about <laughs> like my hair off the record. We didn't really Dude, <laughs> a lot of people were fascinated with your hair. Uh, it was kind of funny and just Twitter in general. Cause I tweet out the picture of you and Tashawn uh, together, but, but then different coaches were commenting on your hair and it's quite, 
And, and they all let it be known. It's coming from a place of jealousy. No. You know? They're no. just, they all wish. Uh, Kenny Dillingham sat down at our table and the first thing he said was a comment about my hair and just looked at me and said, look, I'm just jealous. And, you know, his hair is, or his, his head's all shiny and bald. So no. he was letting me that, know. That was, that, was Jeff, uh, that was Jeff Cupper, the, uh, the director of personnel, uh, who, who was, had the, had lost some of his hair and was interested in your hair uh, uh, specifically. Yeah, they, they all were, but um, Alex Atkins took an interest to Zach's hair, so that was great. I'm glad <laughs> that happened. Uh, for once, it wasn't the focus wasn't on me. Zach walked up, and Alex just looks at him real quick. He goes, "Nice hair." <laughs> look, look at we talked about the attention to detail with this coaching staff. There it is, epitomized. Uh, they are paying attention to hair. Yeah, but the takeaway from Dillingham that I got from him was um, he doesn't need much. He told us straight up, like when it comes to living in Tallahassee, when it comes to doing, he just wants to show up at the facility, wear his FSU gear, go home, uh, hang out with his family. He's they're they're house hunting right now. He's living in an Airbnb. <laughs> it's crazy how these guys, you know, you gotta, you don't just move into an apartment or something. You gotta find your next home. And that's what his wife's out doing. So he said he was going to kind of try to get involved in that now that they have some downtime. Dillingham's uh, energy is pretty crazy, too. Like, he's just always kind of bouncing and, and seems like he's wired up on caffeine. I know he loves uh, he loves coffee. He's he's on record with that. Uh, at one point, we were talking about different restaurants in the area, and someone mentioned Cool Beans and, and his the restaurant Cool Beans. And his mind goes, why is Cool Beans a good saying? Like, that's where he wandered off to. It's like, why, why is Cool I'm, Beans I'm considered totally a good thing? I, that seems like something Brendan would say as well. It, I, I really, but like, I thought it was a funny. Meat, yeah, Cool it, Beans. It is. <laughs> Just to show uh, you his mindset, though, that's where and, his uh, thinking outside the box was interesting. And we did ask him why, you know, why are you here with Norvell? Mm-hmm. And it's a very similar story that I hear from a lot of other guys. And it's just that they believe in him and they believe that this, that he's successful and he is the key piece to that success. Like they believe that they need to be under Norvell cause he's the motor that runs everything. And we kind of saw that with his energy and his attention to detail. And I, and I'm getting to understand what they're saying. And I've even talked to people that are back at Memphis that aren't at Florida state. And they still say the same things about Mike Norvell. Like, um, and they still have the same respect for him. So it's a little bit different from the way that the reaction was to, you know, whether it was Jimbo Fisher leaving and FSU's reaction to him after he was gone or Willie Taggart leaving Oregon and the way the fans reacted to them. So it's, it's, uh, these are all good signs. I mean, we don't know how it's going to play out, but these are good signs. Right. We're in the honeymoon phase. Totally. We're going to still trying we're to be, be skeptical, trying to, you know, not. <laughs> go all in and, and just wait and let things play out because of the way things have been. But like, you can't, you, you can't really say anything negative about the start for Mike Norvell and his coaching staff. No, everything's been really positive so far and has been made sense. So we'll, again, we'll have to weigh it on the field and, and see what happens You know, when, when the season rolls around and what the results are there. But yes, everything just seems to make sense. It feels right. It feels good. Uh, two thumbs up for from both of us i believe so that'll uh, that'll do it for our podcast today we went over the time limit that i stated shocking development i know uh next week we're going to aim to do a basketball specific pod with with chris knee and uh and shem rivera our uh, our intern he does a really good job covering fsu hoops for us so 
maybe Josh will host it. Maybe I'll host it. Maybe neither of us will host it. I don't know. TBD. And then later on in the week, we will have a segment or a full show probably dedicated to uh, to the weekend of recruiting uh, mm-hmm. and official visits coming up because that'll be the first yeah, uh, OV busy. weekend of the month. So we'll, we'll probably have two pods next week, bearing anything uh, changing from that. So uh, for Josh Newberg, I'm Brendan Sinone with Knowles 24-7's On the Bench podcast, guys. Thanks for listening. Five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts if you can. If not, you're dead to me. Neat. <laughs> Neato!